this is Rachel. Hey, this is Spencer. And this is Neon Boots, the 90s country music podcast. And today we have our special guest, James Phillips of Bombadil and a music producer, a company's name that we're still deciding upon. <laughs> we, we collectively. <laughs> Wait, no, we were just brainstorming together. So I'm making it a collective we. Thanks for being here, James. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So 90s country music. Tell us what you think about it. <laughs> Well, you were just life. you were just couldn't stop talking about how much you know about nineties country, <laughs> right? So yeah. we had to start recording. Filled with facts. Let's see. In the nineties, I probably only heard country music when I went to the feed store with my grandfather, who retired from a white collar job to be a farmer for uh-huh. fun. Yeah. Uh, so we would go to the feed store, and I remember being like, "This is music that's not <laughs> like what mom and dad listened to at home." <laughs> Which would be more like the Grateful Dead and Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen type uh, Mm -hmm. stuff. And so it wasn't in the 90s. I don't think I ever intentionally listened to country or probably even knew what it was. And even when I I moved to North Carolina in 1998 to Durham, hip hop was a much bigger deal for the people I was around in high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it wasn't until I went to college and took Jocelyn Neal's History of Country Music class at UNC that I learned it really anything about 90s country and the majority of that class focused on older country country. and then when we got to 90s it was about capitalism and the music industry and garth brooks uh selling his stuff exclusively at walmart and all that (laughs) so it was fascinating to me but i i really knew very little about it besides i mean i guess billy ray was well everybody knew that Yeah, yeah yeah so why did you take that class in college I was majoring in Southern Studies, so it was a part of my major, actually. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know why I chose to do that. Major in Southern Studies? Yeah. It seemed interesting. I would do that. Where are you from? I'm from Baltimore, but I've lived in Durham since 97. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'll be hard-pressed to find me saying much positive about UNC, but (laughs) I would... That class sounds awesome. If I could just like take that mm-hmm. and have that name detached from it, that'd be great. She still teaches it. I feel like you guys should probably audit it so you can actually Ooh. like say that you're qualified to host the podcast. Are you questioning our <laughs> our qualifications right now? I may have just subtly done that actually. Yeah. I mean <laughs> Or not so subtle actually. Not at all. I told you to go back to school. That's all right. Okay. Yeah. I mean it's ten twenty two in the morning right now. We're drinking while we're recording this podcast. So I but think we're, we're drinking sangria, which is yeah, a brunch drink. We're plenty true. qualified. I mean I think that's a qualification. Yeah, yeah. So we've got Wikipedia up, multiple links. Like what else do you need for a country podcast? Nothing. A pickup truck? Apparently formal oh, education according to you. Truck. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, wow, gatekeeping. Country <laughs> music, who knew? <laughs> Who knew that was a thing? I would not have expected that from James. That I didn't know about country music? No, that you were being a gatekeeper. Oh, right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I have the academic background. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were talking uh, before you got here a little bit about John Prine and whether or not he is country. country. And also, you know, you guys have that single out right now. We do. With the John Prine inspired song. So do you want to talk a little bit about your connection with John Prine, even though it's not... Strictly 90s country? Sure. I I mean, my dad in the Dylan, Grateful Dead side of things, we listened to John Prine growing up always. And so it had just been a songwriter that had always been around in my life. And then last year, I listened to his newest record a a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And I got married and my mom 
suggested that I sing a song while my wife walked down the aisle. She wanted me to sing a song I had written, which was a song that I had written for an ex-girlfriend. So we decided <laughs> that perhaps that was not the best choice for my wedding day. Uh, and I, I uh, chose to sing a tune off Pran's new record called Met My Love Today. We learned it and played it on tour and still play it on tour so that I would be ready. And that led to a, a writing day in my studio where I suggested we write a song for him to sing. And that's how that song came out. Very quickly, actually, we wrote it in probably half an hour, which my choice for today, not a John Prine song. <laughs> Apparently, David Lee said he wrote his song in 15 minutes right, at he, the yeah. kitchen table. He beat your ass. I know. Yeah, with it, half, like, half the time. Yeah. yeah. That's so, so efficient. Before, before we pivot to your song, I, I do want to say that although we were, we were talking about how John Prine is not necessarily country because he never defined himself as such... I think he might qualify because In Spite of Ourselves came out in 1999. Did they play that on country radio? I don't know that they did, but that... It charted on country radio, 21. It's um, it's wild to me it came out then because I don't remember not knowing that song. And I would have been in... Ninth or tenth grade in '99, you know. I'm sorry, let me correct myself. The album charted on country mm. country charts, but I yeah, love, I'm totally expecting someone to pick that song soon. Like, I love I would that assume album. That's... Um, that was whenever my husband and I first started dating. That was the first gift that he ever gave me. I think for Valentine's Day mm. was a copy of that CD. Mm-hmm. That's the only decent gift he's given me in our relationship since. What a romantic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I actually thought about doing that song as our first dance, but the whole like sniffing my undies line, yeah. just, I figured my grandmother probably would not feel good about that. So we did Islands in the Stream by Dolly and Kenny instead. Good, good old Dolly. Yeah. But you've got the story. I guess multiple people have the story. But you told us the story about how John Prime was discovered, which I had never heard. Oh, yeah. He, he was discovered the singing mailman of Chicago. He was singing a local bar and getting a local following. And then I can't remember if it was Siskel or Ebert walked out of a movie that they were seeing to review for the next day's Chicago Tribune and because they hated it and went to get a beer and it just happened to be the bar that John Prine was playing in and instead of writing a movie review because the movie was so bad he wrote a concert review of John Prine that got John Prine record deal and that first record was just chock full of hits mm-hmm. that yeah. you know everybody else and their brother covered so that must um, have been amazing right to walk into a bar and see someone see playing Angel from Montgomery <laughs> Wikipedia says it was Ebert Ebert thank yeah, you alright I don't have a laptop in my lap yeah. alright we've got the cheats over here yeah. yeah instant knowledge so the song you picked right David Lee Murphy's Dust on a Bottle this was a, the pivot right here yeah. he was also someone who took a long time to kind of get discovered mm-hmm. uh, he moved from Illinois to Nashville and then spent a long time trying to become a successful country singer. But he was also a songwriter. He wrote some stuff for Ariba, for Doug Stone. And then this song was the hit from his first album. And he wrote or co-wrote almost everything on the album, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, right? So why'd you pick this song? So when you guys asked me to be on, and I realized that really all I knew about 90s country was uh, Garth's commercialism from college, <laughs> I decided I should text our manager, Dolph Ramser, who... Uh, has a pretty encyclopedic knowledge of music and my dear friend Brittany Price who is a country music expert Mm -hmm. just local Durham country music expert (laughs) (laughs) 
And both of them suggested a tunes by David Lee Murphy. So I listened to them at the Y yesterday and Dust on the Bottle definitely won out for a number of reasons. I'm glad you trust their knowledge as experts, even though you don't know their formal training. Right. Formal exactly, yeah. But, you know, we'll let that slide. So why? what were some of those reasons why you chose this one? Well, one reason, uh, actually, the guest singer on the tune we wrote for John Prine, Pillows and Prine, is Kate Rudy. Mm-hmm. And we were touring with Kate Rudy earlier this year, and she was complaining that most of the bands that her booking agent was suggesting she open for, she would listen to one song, and the opening line would always be, Hey, little girl. Oh. Uh, and so I've been thinking are just noticing little girl songs. Mm-hmm. And I would like to nominate Dust on Bottle <laughs> as a contender for the Little Girl Hall of Shame. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there in the first verse. Right. You know? yeah. it's just, uh, the chorus is very catchy. I also really like the idea that there's this extended metaphor about the dust on the bottle, mm-hmm. which is kind of also a put down of his lover in a way. It's like... You might be a little worn out, but right, like because the the end oh, metaphor. I, didn't, I, didn't I would it say as his lover. I could. I thought it was a relationship. Their relationship. Okay. All right. I I took it as a little like slight dig. Oh. You know? Well, how is there a little dust on the bottle of the relationship? It's just well, because, old, or yeah, because as he, your he as spells your it rela- out. Yeah, as your relationship goes for a longer time, it gets better, like mm. like fine wine. Mm-hmm. So it's the relationship that is aging, not. I see. The woman. All right, all right. In in the bridge. That's generous. I I, I recognize the bridge. Right, so in the bridge, you know, he spelled, because, you know, on the nose songwriter cranking this out in 15 minutes, he's like, all right, so in case you didn't get this metaphor, (laughs) let me tell you what's going on here. That's why I got over your heads a little bit. And he says, some say good love is like a fine wine. It keeps getting better as the days go by. I took it as he's talking about the relationship versus... Her. I see. Her. I mean, I guess there's some inherent. Yes, she is older because they've known each other for longer, uh-huh. and all that. You but. guys are very generous, Sam. I think I, I took the opposite view. <laughs> well, as soon as you heard that little girl, oh yeah, I was already. Yeah, <laughs> your mind was made up. Yeah. Well, we've talked about that before too with some of the questionable. Yeah. Sometimes like when they're like forty year old man singing about an eighteen year old just yeah. seems real creepy. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. gross. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that usually a room full of like fifty seven year old men wrote the song. Right. You know, like hmm, what rhymes with pop tops topping? Let's see, <laughs> or, or popping. Or sorry, you know. Well, I mean, in spite of the little girlness, that's still a serious jam. Let's be honest; it's a good jam. I will say, growing up, I definitely thought that the line was "dust on the Bible." I think uh, last which that is an actual song, right? It's a much more like gospel leaning, and it's "dust on your Bible" because you aren't pulling it out to read it, and mm-hmm. shame on you. Yeah. So I, I'm glad to hear I'm not the only one who yeah. kind of thought that. Yeah, I mean, if you grew up Presbyterian like you and I, probably you True. know that was that was already something you were leaning towards so you yeah. thought that's that seems like a Baptisty type he was, song he was, yeah. he was a good good old, you just missed all the the other things about like going underneath his car seat and pulling out a bottle of wine You're like yeah it's probably still talking about the bible well yeah I mean communion. he needs that for his date he needs, <laughs> he needs his bible to pull out for his date that's what I went to see that's how you know he's a good man there's two things about the second verse that I particularly like one that he didn't bother to wipe down the dusty bottle right? before he brought it on his date <laughs> It's like, look, this is old. There's dust on well, it. Well, it works. So, he has to tell her, I've been saving this, or it's yeah. been saved up for this special night. You right. know, can't See look how brand dusty new. It is? Yeah. 
And then going back to Britney, we had been talking for a while. There's all these country tunes. It's like very standard trope that the man will pick up the lady in a pickup truck mm -hmm. and take her to some remote spot, usually with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And to me, there's like an implication there that the man's probably living with his parents or doesn't wow. have like a like bachelor pad, you know? Okay. So we've been working on a country tune that's about... The man that actually has a bachelor pad oh. be like, oh, they might all have pickup trucks, but I've got my own place. <laughs> like, oh, so I love that. be looking for that on the, the next record awesome. you know, once we finally finish it. I will say something that has bothered me is the person's name, Creole Williams. Oh, yeah. Is Creole the person's first name or is he using Creole like as an ethnicity in which case is david lee murphy gonna call me like white mills or <laughs> um that could be your rapper name <laughs> white <laughs> mills <laughs> but like you get lots of accidental searches from meat mill he's like oh god but like the bump.com says that creole is a name but it identifies it as a female name huh. but he explicitly says he reached through the cobweb so again i'm just like why is his name creole i just assume it was like a nickname. Okay. Like, Probably didn't. because he is of mixed race. Well, possibly. Creole ancestry. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, and David Lee is from Illinois. So, so what does he know about Creoles? Yeah, that's <laughs> tricky. If only David Lee Murphy had accepted our request to have him on this podcast. We could answer then all these questions. He, you know, he would be on the spot right now. We will have to credit him for getting our asses in gear to make this podcast happen. Because last winter, I guess, I think it was like November-ish, mm -hmm. he was coming to play a show at the Lincoln Theater. And we decided that we wanted to talk to him. And so we had to actually have some episodes recorded to make sure it was a legitimate thing that we could tell his representatives was happening. But apparently he doesn't like to talk about his 90s country past too much. What He's more focused on his current uh, output. One of my favorite parts of his Wikipedia is after the Out With The Bang success, he made another record and he himself has said that he was trying to take it in a more experimental direction mm -hmm. and then he was dropped from his record label yeah. which I feel like is the story of like every 90s artist yeah. they like got a hit and then they're like I'm going to try something weird and the label's like oh sorry yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm going to be an artist and they're like nope you're not like well and, and this was his right his only number one hit until June of last year when he did a collaboration with Kenny Chesney, everything's going to be all right. Right. So when we were talking to them, he was doing all right. No one needed to be reminded of him being a currently successful recording artist as well. But but you know he's got an encore with dust on the bottle. Of oh yeah. Course. The show. yeah. Well, and there's tons of videos online of him singing dust on the bottle with other people fairly recently like mm. there there was a festival that one of kenny chesney's festivals that they sang the song there's a together. live version of them i like this double live kenny chesney album he has different friends and guests on they, yeah. they do that so like yeah this is your hit i mean it might be a little bit bitter about how you crank down 15 minutes you've been working for like 20 some years since <laughs> then to like have a song that rivals that i don't know i don't know if you've had the experience of cranking out a song real quickly and then yeah. <laughs> like, not being able to, like, replicate that, I don't know. I think the most successful Bombadil song that I've written, I wrote in 10 minutes. Which song was that? It's called Long Life. Oh, yeah. It was, like, in oh, a yeah. TV show, and it came very quickly. We did tweak it later, but, you know, nothing 
substantial, I right, would say. Right. And it came like that. And I, that's probably the only time that's ever happened to me, which well, is really frustrating. <laughs> we joked about that on Phil's episode when he was talking about Travis Tritt and um, the... <laughs> great Day to Be Alive. Great Day to Be Alive. He's like, you know that the guy that wrote that wrote it in 10 minutes because he's just like looking around and yeah. writing down what he sees. And I think that it's interesting. I wonder how many of the biggest hits were the ones that came out the quickest. I mean, yeah, that's the best way. I know that yeah. John Darnell says that if he can't finish the song in a day, it's done. It's not a good it's song. It's not any good, yeah. Which I think is certainly not how I mostly write myself, but mm-hmm. that's probably instructive, yeah. I think. Yeah. I did, speaking of songs about good days, I heard last <laughs> night during a recording session that an MIT scientist has figured out the exact day that ICE is talking about. Oh, and, yes! And, yeah, yeah. And it, it was a good day. <laughs> yeah, I read an article about that, about how they tracked down everything that he was talking about. Yeah, the, like one specific day in yeah. like 1989 or And something. I think that he actually responded to that about the likelihood of that oh. actually being his good day that he was <laughs> rapping about. Wow. Yeah. I'll so, find that article and put it on the social media. So before we go off the rails too much, you want to listen to oh, this song? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I dropped by one Friday night and said, can you help me, Creole? I got a little girl waiting on me and I, I want to trade her right. He said, I got what you need, son, as we step down in the cellar. He reached through the cobweb as he turned on the light. He said, there might be a little dust on the bottom, but don't let it fool you about what's inside. So, James, you play drums for Bombadil. I do. And you had a comment about the drums in this song as well as... Oh, just the 90s snare drum sound, which is that gunshot that's happening on two and four in all Uh country songs. In all country songs. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh... I blame Bruce Springsteen, really. We've acknowledged that Spencer and I know nothing about, like, music production or anything, but I would like to dig a little bit more into that and just to better understand where that came from. And, well, uh my layman's observation why? of country music is that you need to look at what was popular 10 years ago in popular music <laughs> and what type of production was being used there, and then that will now be in country music. So right now, that seems like a country has country, some, like... Okay. Timbaland type drums oh, yeah. going on all the time, you know? It's like, oh, hip hop drum machine, that's cool. And what's that guy's name? Jason Aldean? Or- yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I'm rolling my eyes. I think it might have picked that up on the mic. That was pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. The eye roll. <laughs> that movement you heard was the whooshing. Of Rachel's eyes with the mention of Jason Allen. Why do you think, do you have any theories on why that's the case? I wonder if it has to do with the fact that like the actual music played on the recording is played by session guys very quickly. Right. You know, they're like incredible musicians that are paid by the hour. And so the charts are written up and they come in. But it makes it all be like somewhat manufactured right. feeling. There's mm-hmm. never, you know, there's never like a unique country drummer in yeah, pop yeah. country, I would say, from my very layman's. Mm-hmm. I'm sure someone's going to yell at me on the internet about this. You so. have formal education, this, so we're going to take your word for it. I just have a hard time thinking of whoever's producing Jason Aldean's records, who I don't know who that is, being like, now, like within the past year, you know, listening to. You know, Timbaland or whoever, and be uh, like, like Nelly or yeah, something. or being like, okay, so this is what I'm listening to now. We've really got to get this drum sound doubted. Yeah, like that far after the. I wonder if it has less to do with the actual producers and more to do with like the people that are making decisions about what goes on the radio and 
those people are the ones that are behind and just now saying. Although there have been, okay, oh we're I'm I'm going to make us talk about Old Town Road again. God, this is season two, Rachel. We've got to move on at we some need point. To move on. I'm but always like, having to talk about Old Town Road. <laughs> but like that has more of a trap type sound, I think, which you're not hearing a lot in country music. But I would expect that maybe that tenure. Mark will like be fast forwarded a little bit, mm-hmm. considering the success With- of Old Town Road that we'll start hearing more trap sounds. But it has been like the last few years, right, where there's just been like synthesizer, oh, yeah. drum machine, like just modern pop sounds. And mm-hmm. and I've been, I don't really actually have a theory as to why that started happening because I feel like the genre is conservative. Like it is crassly commercial. That's what's great about it. Mm-hmm. Is it like there's modern country tunes that have product placement in it. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I now know what a Yeti 110 is because of of a song. (laughs) Oh. I mean, I think the situation there is it wasn't produced by a crusty old white dude in Nashville. You know, like... Yeah. Like, it was a... Dutch producer who's black who put together this all, I'm sure, just digging samples up mm-hmm. on their computer or whatever. Because it is and a Nine Inch Nails sample. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And so... I find the whole phenomenon fascinating. And, like, and, uh, yeah, I love it. Like, I don't know... <laughs> I don't really like the song. But Sorry for bringing it up again. I think that... So, like, right now, again, this will be a little bit before this is posted, obviously... But I know they're, like, narrowing down the CMA Awards, like, what things will make the final ballots. And apparently Old Town Road only made it in one category, even though it was obviously nominated the initial ballot for a lot. Because, like, the Nashville institution is like, nope, like, that's not... I think it was, like, song event of the year or something like that, where it's like, they're not trying to recognize, like, the song or the production or, the, you know, anything like that. Or even, like, you know, Best New Artist. Song there's, event. Yeah, something like that. One that, of those, like, That vague, tells you about country music right well, there, right? so interestingly... Song event. Is that the real name of it? I don't have this in front of me, but I feel like I read that Kenny Chesney and David Lee and David Lee had a song event nomination. Musical event is apparently the actual term for it, but you know, close enough. Am I because they're bringing the back the old guy? But he's been writing tunes for Kenny Chesney. That's why they're collaborating. Yeah, Yeah, right. So last year, last year they won musical event of the year. Okay, so I wasn't completely making that up. No, you weren't. Okay, you read that on Wikipedia just like I did right now. Whenever you brought it up, (laughs) (laughs) that's how that works. I read that last night though. Uh, I feel like I would like to aspire in my career in music to uh, one day win musical event for some award. Yeah. It can be small. It doesn't matter. But I I don't know what that'll be. We'll create our own award show. So, you know, that can happen. So the bar will be much lower is what you're telling me. (laughs) You know, it would just be like people we know probably. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make up so many categories and just like get an actual boot spray paint neon and like mount it it. somehow on a plaque. Yeah. We can go to the scrap exchange and get some, you know. Really cool. Some trophy bases and just. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I feel like homemade trophies feel even better than manufactured ones. Because you put some effort into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so Maybe you can so say no to Grammys and yes to the neon, the neon bootsies. The neon bootsies? The neon booties. Okay. Is that better? I don't know. Maybe uh, whenever we'll, that... We'll workshop some titles we'll along with the name of your... You can get the ones that don't make the cut for our award show. Yeah. All right. Whenever we do our karaoke night at the Pinhook, mm. we'll give an award for the best cover and it'll be a neon bootsie. <laughs> Or well, whatever. 
Well, I did learn how to play Dust on the Bottle oh, on yeah? the piano yesterday, so I could feel like I really I knew. have a piano right there. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to do it on your podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but I would, I'll show you guys after we stop rolling. <laughs> yeah, this definitely won't make it on Instagram. Uh, oops. Good thing you're not really on social media. You won't know. Yeah. Well, I can tag Bombadil in it. So, speaking of Bombadil and you learning songs to hopefully take on this next tour, I'm assuming y'all covered Dust on the Bottle. Oh, yeah. It's already worked in the set. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Perfect. And you have the so, keys for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what it's in B major, you know. What do y'all have coming up? Uh, we are doing some touring this fall behind our new record, which is called Beautiful Country. Mm-hmm. That comes out September 20th. And uh, country is in reference to, like, the United States or the outdoors, not country The, the music. genre music. Well... I played for my friend Ken, and he said it's our country record, and okay. we had decided to call it Beautiful Country, so I suggested that we make the cover just be the word country to claim the mantle, you know? Yeah, but that is a tune on the record that is about our country okay. and having conflicting feelings about it. Oh, I it. see. Okay. Yeah. As is the style of the times. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a weird time to be a human, you know? <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm excited about it. It's our seventh record. We made it in Durham, which we hadn't made a record in Durham for a while with a producer, Scott Salter, who we had made a record, Tarpets and Canyonlands, with. Mm-hmm. We hadn't worked with him in a decade. It was fun to work with him again. Wait, it's been a decade since... Isn't that crazy? Yeah. God, I feel so old. I know, right? What have we been doing with our lives? Definitely wasting them. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to that album a lot is what I've been doing. It's a yeah. great record. Yeah, so that's out, and then y'all are touring. We'll late tour, September, yeah, late September, the East Coast, south and north of the East Coast, and then late October, we go to France and Germany for a month. Fun. Which will be our third time in France and Germany. Uh-huh. Daniel, my, the other long-time running member of the group, lives uh, outside of Grenoble, France now. Mm-hmm. So oh, wow. we're going to play hometown shows for him. So I know that Daniel has picked up some French. Have you? Uh, no, no, no. It's kind of fun being over there because... You know, I can sort of follow what's going on, but there's a lot of just, like, nod and smile. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is, I think, a good reminder, and the audiences are great. Mm-hmm. It's funny, playing in just France and Germany, the audiences are almost polar opposite. You know, French people are, like, chatty and very enthused while you're playing, and German people are very quiet and serious. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's not that far apart, so it's been great. I'm excited to go again, and cool. it seems like it, it will be an annual trip. For us, nice now. Nice having somebody over there now to yeah, kind of local intel. Yeah. Well, cool. Any records that you're working on right now of other folks that you're able to talk about? Yeah, I'm working on a record for Charles Latham and the Borrow Band. We've been recording that since late spring, and it's just about done. Great country record, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah and you guys should definitely have Charles on the podcast. Cool. Uh, he's a very knowledgeable country aficionado. And then working on a, a, a number of other records at the moment, some more up-and-coming folks. I have made two records for Thomas Strayhorn, who you guys had on the podcast. There's a new record by Christy Jane Smith that's done. Mm-hmm. Nice. I think she's not going to call it the tender fruit anymore, but I'm not sure about that. But the record's done. She's just looking for a home for it right now. Um, I'm excited about that because I still think, and I'm, I've been saying this a lot lately, especially because it always seems to resonate with me in the summer, but the NOLA self-titled album that came mm. out 15 years ago yeah. at this point, like yeah. 12 years ago, something like that, that that's record. like one of the best records to come out of the Triangle for me in the past 
many yeah. years. Yeah. Super good. So if you haven't listened to that, check out Nola in LA. I really love her new record. And the, and the last record that we made together is still like one of my proudest accomplishments mm-hmm. as a musician. It's called The Darkness Comes. I think it's a really amazing work of music. And all I did was like play drums on it, so I can I can say that right? <laughs> <laughs> and press buttons. But yeah, so the, the studio's been busy. My uh, wife and I are just finishing the ground plans and the building design with the architect of a, a formal space in our backyard that will be a recording studio right next to a bike path. It's like feels very very Durham. <laughs> it is. I'm very excited to have my own building and my wife is very excited for me not to be in the attic with, you know, various people coming in and out of our house all hours of the day and night. Well now people can just to bike make lots there of noise. With yeah. their equipment, right? Like yeah. bring their strap their guitar on their back and just bike there. What's Aaron. nice about that is people just leave stuff at my house, so yeah. I just have, like, endless gear always available. Nice. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, any last thoughts about 90s country music? Are you, like, inspired to dive in deeper now with this experience to make up for lost time? Yeah, no, I love... I, I mostly listen to country music in the car, like, mm-hmm. on, on the radio, so that's why I know so much about modern, modern pop country. country yeah. But yeah, I yeah. wish there was, like, a classic 90s country station. I may have just not found it yet on the dial. There isn't one on the dial. I have discovered since I got a new car that came with a Sirius subscription mm-hmm. that there is a prime country mm-hmm. station that is all 80s and 90s country, but wow. it leans a little bit more heavily towards, like, the type of stuff that we talk about on here. Yeah. And I don't want to pay to renew that subscription whenever it runs out, but I might have to. I mean, really, what all you need to do is just go on YouTube and, like, start with Dust on the Bottle and, like, autoplay. Yeah. And it's going to bring you, like, everything you want. Who needs to go to college anymore? You've got YouTube algorithms. (laughs) (laughs) I I will say that one thing I've noticed from doing this and that happening a lot is if you're listening to a male nice country artist... You only hear male songs from YouTube. And if you start with a female one, the exception being Suds in the Bucket pops up my mind like a third of the time. So she apparently crosses over to both playlists. Other than that, I feel like it's like, all right, if you start with like Reba or if you start with, you know, Shania. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) This is my lack of education showing not the sangria. Oh, okay. I was going to blame it on the sangria. Yeah, it's definitely the sangria. I do have a good Um, story about Shania Twain. All right, let's hear it. share. I went to Fiji after I graduated college on the way to visit a friend in New Zealand. And uh, in Fiji, on every boat that we were on, which you have to be on boats a lot because it's just like archipelago Mm -hmm. of small islands, they either listen to traditional Fijian music or Shania Twain. Interesting. And, And it would like kind of bounce back and forth. But it was only Shania Twain. So, uh, I don't know that you would be able to tell the minor changes, but we had an episode where one of our guests grew up in the UK, and she talked about the Shania Twain that she grew up listening to is the European releases, which sound very different really? from the American releases. Well, they so toned much, down a lot of the country stuff. Yeah, so much to the point huh. that she said that whenever she heard it in the U.S., she thought that the songs were, like, broken, that something was wrong oh, with uh, the music because it sounded so different. So I'm wondering, in Fiji, is it the I don't know. European releases or is it the American releases? It felt like just Shania Twain that I knew and loved, okay. you know, but... Uh, yeah, that's it. Shakira's like that, too, you know? Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Well, I definitely understand why they just go all Shania. I mean, in the words of Homer Simpson, why have hamburger when you can't have steak? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> why go with anything else if you can just go all Shania all the time? Like, Yeah. 
Well, and I think the other interesting thing in having thought about 90s country for 24 hours uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that, and asking people is that there's a, I, a lot of music that like John Prine that I would not consider 90s country, mm-hmm. even though he probably ha- had hits in the time. And the, the other example being when I asked Charles Latham last night what his favorite 90s country song was, he said, I don't know, Dixie Chicks. And I was like, oh, I, that's true. Their first record was right, right. late yeah. 90s, but I wouldn't. What was like revolutionary about them was they didn't sound like '90s country, right? right. It sounded more like like up tempo bluegrass or something. Right. Uh, and we had that record growing up, but I don't think I thought of it as the same yeah. thing. Well, like you wouldn't hear that at the feed store. It maybe. evolved a lot during the '90s, yeah. and I, like was like really figuring itself out a lot mm. more than in the '80s. Yeah. yeah, I don't think country music evolved the same way in the '80s that did in the '90s, or maybe expanded mm. the scope. Mm-hmm as much as it did so yeah. interesting that's my non-scholarly perspective so <laughs> <laughs> I do want to enroll in that class now and as a state employee I can do it for free she's great yeah John Howie was a guest lecturer at our cool. class yeah and He's... we got credit to go see the two dollar pistol so oh, wow. it was like it was an incredible we're, we're gonna have John Howie we think on a yeah. future episode speaking of someone who's going to school us on everything yeah, oh, God, it's gonna be awesome <laughs> that, I don't know that guy but it seems like he'd be a walking encyclopedia yeah, for sure absolutely. yeah absolutely yeah. yeah well cool thanks so much for joining us today James yeah thanks for having me yeah and uh, I hope that you uh, enjoy your continued path down 90s country oh I will yeah. <laughs> have no fear looking forward to listening to the album and seeing Bombadil out on the road somewhere yeah Coming soon. Thanks, Thanks, guys, for listening. Bye. Bye, Mom. My mom probably will listen to this, too. Okay. Yeah. Hi, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Today was like one of those fly dreams. Didn't even see a berry flashing those high beams. No helicopter looking for murder. Two in the morning, got the fat burger. Even saw the lights of the Goodyear blimp. And it went ice cubes up. Today I didn't even have to use my AK I gotta say it was